going to start us off tonight by reading uh, a passage from Matthew 7, 15 through 20. I'm going to end it by saying, so be it. And if you feel moved, please say, so be it too. So this is called Tree and Fruit. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you dressed like sheep, but inside they are vicious wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Do people get bunches of grapes from thorny weeds, or do they get figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, and every rotten tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a rotten tree can't produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, you will know them by their fruit. And I will say, so be it. So be it. So one of the first things I wanted to start with was uh, a story that starts off with queer spirituality quite a bit. It's my own coming out story. Um, it was the day after Thanksgiving. Um, I had come home for my freshman year of college, and it was my first time back home. And my mom had warned me that when I came back from college that first visit, the world's going to look a little different. I didn't know how different. But the day after, um, I had made the decision that it was time to tell my parents. And I went to school in Springfield, Missouri. And all my friends and my boyfriend at the time had all been kicked out of their houses. Wow. Literally, I had a crew of about five people who, when they came out, and this is 20 years ago, but that's not that long ago. So I was scared. I was about to tell a big part of my parents about my life. So I get there. It's the day after Christmas. And in our family, our tradition was to put up the tree, Christmas tree, the very next day. My mom is literally fighting with this massive tree, trying to get this thing up there on a ladder. And I get there, and I'm like, Mom, we need to talk. She's like, sure, can you kind of help me with this star? I'm like, no, Mom, really. We need to talk. She sighs. She puts the star on the tree. She climbs down the ladder. She walks up to me and smiles, puts her hand on my face, and goes, honey, if you're about to tell me you're gay, I've known since you were five. <laughs> Is that why you packed up your room? It was heartbreaking. I was like, uh, oh. Barbie was really mad at her because I was really ready for this fight. And instead, what I get is this beautiful embrace. And so when someone asks me, and I say this right now, why I'm so out, it's to honor that, that my parents were so amazingly supportive. And I also know that not all of us who identify in some aspect of queer get that. Some of us get abused, erased, and other kinds of horrible things I don't even imagine. So I am so out for those folks who can't be, for those people who were and were not embraced, and for people who honor us. So that's how I wanted to start tonight, is a moment of embrace, support, and love. Now I'm gonna give you one last trigger warning. I'm going to say some things that are going to make us upset. I'm going to ask us to be in a very vulnerable space. I'm going to say the word fuck. I'm gonna say the word dick and a few other things that are gonna make people uncomfortable. I'm also going to say this. I'm going to own my own moment here of my limitations. I am still a cisgendered white gay male. There are some biases I have that I've missed tonight and I'm going to own that. So if I've missed something, please let me know. Finally, I'm not just here to teach. I'm here to learn. This is a dialogical church. We are here to learn together. We are to grow together. So if there is something you have to add to the conversation, 
please do. This is for all of us to learn together. Any questions so far? Craziness? Anybody completely offended? It's like, get the hell out of here? Okay. So I have, uh -oh. I have some slides. For my visual learners, who people who like to take notes, some opportunities here for you to see that. So if, you, if you're a visual learner and need to see things, I've got this going right here. If you're just here to chill out, let's chill out. So I'm going to start off with some basic definitions because it can get a little overwhelming. This is just one version of the alphabet soup that we sometimes deal with in the queer community. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, questioning, queer, intersex, IAA. I also add pansexual, demisexual, and a few others too. So what I'm gonna say here is we're gonna go through some basic definitions. First things first, I'm only defining the word queer tonight. The rest of them, if you wanna bring that up, we can, but I gotta stick with one lane because you saw that alphabet suit line is long. So queer, the original definition, dictionary version, strange or odd. I can own that. <laughs> what I can't own is when it's used as a verb. To spoil or ruin an agreement, event, or situation. That is the original definition of queer. Queer is also a derogatory term. It was one of the originals, it was the equivalent of the word faggot or dyke or a few others that I will not say in this space. But it was originally used as a derogatory term. Now as we've gotten further along, that has changed. But it was a source, it was an epithet, and meant to be the most demeaning thing you could be. And it was also considered a source of shame, hence the cone of shame with the puppy. <laughs> but a little, about, I would say 40 years ago, Academe kind of began to reclaim that. There was an aspect of something called queer studies and queer theory. And in seminary now, I do queer theology. So we've kind of started reclaiming that word as, nah, this is ours. It became a source of power, a source of pride, and a source of that. And really, honestly, if I'm to be honest with you all, it's a way to say, kiss my grits. For those of you who are not familiar with this, this is a <clears throat> very specific type of dog, puppy play, for, you can ask me about that later. <laughs> that is not me before we go any further. <laughs> this is one of those free things I found online. Do not, you do not go spreading that. I'll be offensive, but I'm not that offensive, come on. Finally, queer is also a rejection of labels. It's saying that I don't live in the world of man or woman. I live in the world of man, woman, and whatever other term I want to use. It's a rejection of I don't listen into this world of I be either or. I reject that as a thing. And I reject that I have to live any specific way that one way is defined. So when we say queer, it's a rejection of there's only one way to live, and that is in marriage with children as a man and a woman biologically speaking. Any questions? Does queer make sense to everybody? Last but not least, queer is an umbrella term. Because when you have lesbian, bisexual, transgender, pansexual, gay, intersex, sexless, asexual, and a few others that go on, that gets real long. So a lot of us just call ourselves the queer community. By the way, in that, ally is also included. So let's talk about bad fruit. 
By the way, I chose today's scripture reading that Beth shared with us, the point of what who bears good fruit and false prophets. Let's talk about some of the bad fruit. Let's look at some of the bad theologies that have brought us, and actually more importantly, let's talk about the results. Today, 2019, and this is for my people who are head thinkers and need statistics. If you need to know a source, I'll give you right now, it's from the Williams Institute. All of my stats I'm using right now are from a very specific study they did. So, today, queer youth, 18, excuse me, 16 to 24 years old, in the homeless population, make up 40, 40% of that population. In a community that is only supposed to make up 9% at the max of the overall population, that number does not translate well. The reason we talked about, people are still kicking their children out when they come out. People are still finding us useless and trying to erase our experience. In addition, same, same source, one in three queer youth have had ideations or some thoughts of suicide. If you are a queer, transgender, black woman, that number is even more disturbing. One in two have attempted. Intersectionality matters too. The experience as a black, transgender woman is much more oppressed than mine, and I will own that at this moment. One in two considered and have attempted suicide. Let that sit for a second. They are not oppressed because they're crazy. They're not suicidal because they're crazy. I think our society's a little crazy. This number goes up further and further each year, in fact. And that's what it is. They fear being bullied, beaten, destroyed, called things like whore, hooker, freak, queer. But what's most interesting is some of those moments where things have changed a little bit. The World Health Organization has taken gender dysphoria completely off as a form of sickness. We are seeing moments of marriage equality. We are seeing things that go well. And then we have people in Boston trying to do a straight pride parade. <laughs> Anybody not heard about this? Know what's going on with that? Okay. In Boston, three gentlemen, white, straight, cisgendered, single, I will point out. <laughs> um, highly involved with various conservative movements to the point of extremism, have decided that Boston needs a straight pride parade. My response is it's going to be a bunch of dudes wearing cargo pants and polos, but in the meantime, uh, <laughs> it is something that has recently happened. But as close as O'Fallon, Missouri this week, another moment of bad fruit. Two women were told that when they were trying to celebrate their marriage and booked a restaurant to have the reception, when they found out it was a marriage celebration, the restaurant, in the name of God and Jesus, canceled their event three days prior. This still goes on, and it's not far away. We like to think we're doing well, but we're not. We still have a long way to go. So let's talk about queer spirituality for a second. Let's get into the nitty gritty. This is one of those experiential moments. So I want everyone to take a moment to close your eyes. 
Everyone here has a secret. Think about that secret. You got it? Okay. Partner up with someone. Preferably someone you don't know. Just go ahead, uh, two table, partner up with somebody. I want you two to talk about that secret you just talked about. You, you guys, good luck, but um, talk about that secret with someone you probably don't know. Share that secret if you chose shoes, but I wanna give you five minutes to think about that secret, share that with a complete stranger, and then we'll talk about it in a minute. I need a volunteer. Everybody say hi, Logan. Hi, Logan. Logan works with me at the restaurant I work at, so I'm really proud that he came up. This is the first time he's been to the open table, so everyone again, say hi, Logan. <laughs> Logan, who'd you partner up with? I partnered up with Randy. Hey, Randy, raise your hand. Hey, Randy, how would you feel if he told everyone up here right now your secret? Oh. Uh. <laughs> oh. Uh. Hey, Logan, don't do that, go sit back down. <laughs> that is an inkling of what it's like to come out. That is an inkling of what it's like to be outed as well. If you're bearing someone's secret, that is a sacred moment. It's also an aspect of queer spirituality. When someone comes out to you, that is on their terms. Also, outing someone is an act of violence. Give me that. Give me that. So, I wanted to give everyone a moment of what it's like to be in the closet, whatever secret you've got, it's an inkling of that, and what it's like to be outed, or the fear of that. Yeah. Randy's response said, oh, that was enough right there. Imagine if you're housing your life, the love of your parents required on that moment. An inkling. Queer spirituality is taking control of your story. Owning our story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. And we all know I love me some Brene Brown, but that's one of her best moments right there because that is a moment of queer spirituality. Coming out is coming out in a way that you take control of your story finally. So in that moment, just with those of you who had those secrets, think about that. So what I'm going to talk about as a spiritual aspect and practice of the queer community is queering the narrative. Earlier, we talked about how queering something can actually shame it or change it or spoil it. No, we're reinserting ourselves into stories that try to erase us. Yeah. So, we're going to give you an example that we're going to do a, con a, a group work together on. And then tonight, um, you will, we will be closed out with a poem by a, a wonderful poet here named Rye. Her entire poem is a perfect example of queering the narrative. So first of all, Rye, raise your hand. Give her a round of applause because she... She got roped into this tonight, and so I'm very grateful for her that. So we're gonna take a moment and practice what it's like to queer the narrative. Some of you have got these cards on your, on your table. This is our other part of our experimental. This is an example of art and queering the narrative in religious iconography. I want you to kind of, again, you can partner up or you can do this at your tables. Take about, let's do about five to 10 minutes I want you to ask questions of each other on this. What questions does this provoke? What questions do you come up, does this stir in you? What things upset you about it? What things do you like about it? But I want you to take a few moments. What questions does it stir? 
What does it stir in you? What you like, what you don't like? And most of all, what scares you about this? Take about three minutes to time. No, let's take five. We got time. Take five. <laughs> Enjoy yourself and talk amongst yourselves. I gave you the topic. All right, clap once if you can hear me. Clap twice if you can hear me. Give it three. I love that thing so much. All right, so let's take a moment. What were some of the questions you came up with? And whoever wants to share. I understand this is an introvert's nightmare, so that's why you get to pick a spokesperson who's more outgoing than I am. But what are some of the questions you came up with? Go ahead. My table talked a lot about how this image is appearing to represent somebody that might be a person of color, but that there are still like some like white maybe limitations to it, like the straight hair, the perfect like eyebrows, and even like not as saying that not necessarily that only white people have perfect eyebrows, but <laughs> <laughs> careful. <laughs> I like how you put that. Thank you. Go ahead, Paul. We talked about God coming to earth as a person. God coming to earth as a person? And that, that would be, God is all things. He's male, female, he's gay, he's queer, he's a drag queen, he's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, queen. <laughs> You know, on the point he made right there that Jesus came to us, God is embodied in Jesus as one of the, the tenets of kind of basic Christianity. With that, one of the questions that I came up with when I was starting at this is, can we talk about Jesus' dick for a second? <laughs> and I'm not being snarky. I mean, I'm being a little snarky when I say that, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm kidding. Why are we afraid to talk about that? Why are we afraid? Because we talk about Jesus as fully human and fully divine. Why are we afraid to talk about the fact, did he use it? Why do we assume Jesus was straight? Why do we assume that he was straight or asexual? And that, if he was asexual, does that make him queer? The answer to all those things is, okay, I'm not sure. But that's the questions, because I don't have a lot of good answers. I just have a lot of good questions. So <laughs> that's where I'm at with that. And I know that's a really offensive question, but can we talk about Jesus' dick? Why are we afraid to say that word? Why are we afraid to hold that in such reverence? He was fully embodied. By the way, queer is also fully embodied. So, one thought there. What are some other questions you all came up with? Go ahead. So this wasn't what you necessarily talked about. I'm probably the only person that talked. Yeah, so I was just curious what limitations this has for other religious uh, faiths and Who does this include, exclude, in terms of spirituality? Who, because of the cross. 
Who does it include? Who does it exclude? That's a great question. What have you found? Ageism. There is some ageism on that. Granted, Jesus did die at 33. So. Um, one of the other things I thought of, and this is another completely different question, but seeing Jesus in a feminine light of on this, it's a question that I don't know the answer to yet. I have not researched it, but it's one that just occurred to me. When Jesus died, he was crucified, which was a model of use that the Romans used to intimidate the people that they were. Did they only crucify men? They, I, that's a good question. Did they stone women? Did they crucify men? Did they, but I thought the Jews stoned women. And so it's a, it's a whole thing. Like There's a whole le level of why don't we talk about that in that for me. Any other thoughts, comments, or things on this? Uh, I'll say something. Yeah, please. I, I think that this is like one of the most beautiful depictions of the Christ that there is. Because, and I, this is to piggyback off of Paul, mm -hmm. just because I think it encompasses everything that what God, which we... Hold on, can everyone hear? Uh, yeah. oh. I think it encompasses everything that with what we... I'll, say, I'll just speak for myself, how I envision God to be, which is we know that God is not within the binary itself. I, I was giving a shout out to Paul too because uh, this is kind of piggybacking on what they said as well. Um, so God neither exists within the binary and is within the binary, but is also everything. So it's no gender and it's all genders. And I think that probably the only thing that might be missing here is that um, you have a male side, you have a female side, which also could be, if we're gonna go there, energetically, there's go there. a female side. So everybody has a male and a female side energetically. Um, so that exists. Um, also, we have the thorns, which of course, Paul alluded to um, as pain or suffering. Eternal suffering, eternal strife, but it's the most beautiful and accurate depiction of the Christ and the four God, I believe. Okay. Somebody at our table did point out the halo. It's totally different than most halos that Jesus wore. And it is a combination of the primary colors, the, you know, the rainbow, that type of yes. One other thing I'll point out to you is, does everyone know what this symbol is? That is the transgender symbol. It has the masculine, feminine, and arrow parts to it. That is the classic, ancient symbol, rune, for what someone who is transgender. So, does not fit in any world, yet fits in all worlds. So this is an example of art that queers the narrative. And look at the rich discussion that comes when we reinsert ourselves into something. Other examples of this, now first of all, I need to let you know, for those of you who are interested in this particular one, this is a, an artist who refers to himself as the naked pastor. And yeah, she's like, I got this. <laughs> uh, he is one of my favorite works. Uh, he gave me permission to do this, but I took it a little further and wanted everyone to have a card too, because it's a reminder of these kinds of discussions. The name of this painting is called Neither. And I give you what it is. Let's see. Uh, from the Common English Bible, it's from Galatians. 
3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So, when we clear the narrative, we go a little crazy, but we do bring up some points. That was the point that he made right there. So, uh, I already said the one thing that I was a little nervous is, can we talk about Jesus' dick? Because I know that scares some people. But the real point of that is, queer spirituality also pushes the edge. No one reinserts themselves into a narrative nicely. No one does it comfortably either. The polite person is often overlooked. The person who's willing to say something scary, there we go. Are there any other questions or comments we need to move on from this? I love the richness of this discussion. Go for it, Allison. Allison? I love all of that. Can you repeat that on the mic, please? I got a little emotional about it. <laughs> I'm going to sum it up, actually. Allison, let me see. This, I want to make sure I understood you correctly. Don't worry about it. We don't need the rest of it anyway. Um, I want to make sure I understood this right, because I'm going to probably use this at some other point in time in my career. This image gives us permission, because the church has been a source of shame and sadness, to reclaim our sexuality, reclaim our gender, and reclaim, reclaim ourselves. Is that close yeah. to what you said? So, like... To fully embody communion with God. I'll take it. I like it. Anybody else want to answer with that one? So kind of to sum up, one of the things I wanted to talk about is there is no one right way to be queer. It doesn't look the same. We don't act the same. We are so intersectional, it's crazy. But it's important to remember that the images that we bring have a shared story. When you are born queer, you are in some ways born without a culture that you understand. You have to go out and seek it. In some ways, you are born without a family, that you have a family of choice, as well as a family of blood. And it's one of the things that being queer has taught us. That being married doesn't have to happen, that we can be perfectly happy single or in a relationship, that one relationship does not look like the other, that we can be unique, different, and still part of a community that's larger than ourselves. And mostly, we can be angelic and crazy and fabulous all at the same time. I love that outfit. <laughs> but we all look different. We all act different. Some of us are a little more outgoing sevens, and some of us are teacup fours. And there's nothing wrong with either of those, because both are beloved children of God. And if you want some queer spirituality later, if you have not watched Queer Eye, and you want to hear about transformation and the beauty that brings that up and queering a narrative, these men are my heroes and my gurus, along with every hero they have on there, because they literally embody transformation in a way that is moving. And reinsert ourselves back into the narrative. So the journey is not easy sometimes. We have to kind of walk along, and we do it alone at first, because we're without people like ourselves sometimes. But in the end, one drop leads to another. One story leads to another. 
leads to a community, and leads us to where we are when we tell those stories. Just to remember that this is the story God tells us. Amen? Amen. What a beautiful night. Can we give Tony another hand for leading us tonight? I would say I'm proud of you, but I want you to be proud of yourself. <laughs> this is really something. Uh, I've never been to a church that talks about Jesus' dick. All right. But, uh, where you led us tonight uh, is a start where a lot of churches need to head. We need to head in this direction. And Brian McLaren was here a couple of years ago, and he talked about the open table as a school of love, a place where people can learn to love themselves better and to love each other better. And that is what we're practicing here tonight. The idea that how can we encounter the divine in our bodies? How can we learn to love our whole selves and therefore love each other in a more whole way? And your leadership tonight is a drop in the bucket. It's helping us get there. And so thank you for thank you. being vulnerable enough to be silly, <laughs> to be crass, just to be yourself. I know you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so that was me. Yeah. Everyone knows Tony knows this is just like a normal Sunday for him. But, um, but thank you for your leadership. I really appreciate thank it. You. So thank you. Thank you. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to uh, the poet that Tony mentioned earlier. Sometimes there's like a clear person in the room that's like the coolest person in the room. Oh my god. <laughs> and so, uh, I'm upset. Um, <laughs> Ryan, come up, share something with us. Help us learn a bit more about how to be better. Don't deserve ourselves. I have never been more upset at how I've been introduced. <laughs> that is so much pressure. <laughs> Hi, thank you all for being here. Thank you all for being interested in queer spirituality. Uh, Woot woot for queer people. <laughs> oh, thank God. God bless queers. Um, hey, a quick <laughs> word about what this poem is. I wrote this poem for an interfaith pride service that happened last week uh, at Community Christian Church um, that was put together, together by a collection of clergy in town. Um, and my friend, Reverend Tyler Heston, asked me several times if I would write a piece for proclaiming pride. And I said no to him a lot before I said yes. I think it was like two hard no's and then it was a yes. Um, <laughs> um, because queerness and spirituality is probably the hardest journey that I'm on in my life. So um, I didn't, it didn't feel easy to just jump in. Um, and so this is my poem about uh, just my reflections on how a lot of the heroes in scripture can also be queer heroes. And um, this is mainly in like a Christian framework. It's not to be exclusionary of like any other religions. Christianity is just what I was handed and these are the stories that I've interacted with my whole life. So they're what I feel comfortable interacting with. Um, but thank you so much for listening and for being here. Abram and Sarai, in a sweep of grace, hear God say, hey, let's leave. And God didn't give away, just a not here anymore. Abram and Sarai follow that voice into the darkness, not knowing where they'll end up, just knowing they had to go. And miracles happen with God and with their bodies, and God changes their names along the way. 
And Noah followed God's voice out of solid ground into a boat onto a mountain. Dealt with, deals with the hurling insults of the crowd who haven't heard God's voice with him while he built what God pulsing inside him led him to build. Isn't Noah glad he has trusted? Because God builds a rainbow at the end of that flood, promising to never cover the earth in judgment again. Jesus said, my mother and my brothers are with me doing the Father's work. He points out to the ones listening and following the message of the good news, the path is narrow to life, but the good news is for everyone. I hear this and see a chosen family, the ones who are with you doing the work of justice, which is the Father's will, are your family. And Jesus chose his family too. Saul of Tarsus, a celebrated saint, swallows his pride and violence as religious duty to follow the path to, of inclusion inside the gospel of a group of people no one was quite sure about including. I make a joke to my roommate about how my name changes, my own Saul to Paul conversion. God points to me, asks, why are you persecuting me? Why are you punishing me, trying to flourish inside you? Points to the rainbow crumpled up and soiled in the corner of my heart. Paul was persecuting Christians as a default function of his devoutness. They are persecuting us as a default function of their devoutness. I was persecuting me as a default function of my devoutness, but at any moment, God comes in the form of a blinding light to ask, why are you persecuting me? A few of us know about a life like this. Sometimes your given name just doesn't sit right. Good thing we know a God who knows something about changing names. Jesus himself called himself several names as he walked the earth, but rarely the one that his mother gave him. So if we change our names, it's not because we don't know ourselves. It's because we know ourselves enough to know we expand like God expands. Imagine the celebrated saints like Saul being swallowed in light that erases their passion for violence so that we never have to swallow our pride again. I still have hope that the violent church is headed for that light, stopping and blinding them in the road, and that they repent from causing all of this suffering. I joke to a friend that me discovering my queer identity is my Saul of Tarsus conversion. Look at God beckoning, home to a home I have yet to see. God themself, herself, himself, renames himself through scripture. God, the caller out of the familiar, the invitation to love yourself that much more. God in the hands we hold. God, the beginning and the end we don't know yet. God, the inhabitor of the stigmatized. God knows that names are just a storytelling function after all. Metaphors in the poem God is creating out of creation itself. We know enough to know that as we change, we are just the poem continuing and yields themselves to the pen of humanity yet again. God, we will never write your full scripture. Queers, we will never write your full depth, the full rainbow of what it is to just be different in the way you grew, to stand out just because you are God with a different name, in a different form. Queers, the spirit that animates you is the one that animated Abraham and Sarah. Go where you haven't gone, be who you are. You, plus miracles, pushed Jesus to walk unswayed by his home's understanding of everything he was. Let it sink in. God is doing something with you that you can't do for yourself. Let it sink in. The queer path is God's path too. Let it sink in. You are loved at your gayest, kinkiest, 
at your most dysphoric, at you having no desire for sex, at your horniest, at your proudest, at your fattest, at your skinniest, at your most femme, as you accepting trans masculinity as a godly calling, as you being the most obedient to everything that makes them feel normal about your body or about how you love. God is many gendered. Humanity is many gendered and love is every color and form. You do not have to obey the black and white. You can't obey the rainbow. Humanity as alive and diverse as nature itself, home in the colors. God with the rainbow promised to never flood the earth with judgment again. So I think it's safe to say the judgment you feel flooded with is not from God. Because from what I know, God keeps promises. In the spaces we don't even know how to name that, name them. Continue to write this holy book, a book of names, all God's names. This genealogy of God passing God onto generation and generation, this generation, will see God manifested through a force of rainbow people unraveling the world the way God always does. It has never been about power. It has never been about us getting our way. It has always been about us fully loved and surrendering to the God who might invite us somewhere we've never been before. A God so wrapped in our DNA that we can't get them out no matter how much they say queer is unholy. A God so invested in creation, the world they made recreates themselves daily. A daily dose of salvation, meaning love really gets to be that, love. Even if it means changing your name as evidence of God in you, rewriting what you thought it was to be human, this is the queer journey. Accepting yourself when the powers that be can't and won't Obedient to this unfolding, even unto death, God, the origin story. God, the peace that surpasses their misunderstanding. This is holy communion. Re recognizing all of God sitting at the table using their chosen names. We have been there all along. Now we just have names to recognize it, just like Abraham and Sarah and Peter. The God that works with what is. The God who will love especially those they're not supposed to love. The God is the rainbow I'm wrapped up in. And God showed me how to love me, how they made me, this rainbow body, all the queer saints singing into me. You have never been separate from love. God, the voice calling back to you in your wilderness when all you can think is, I don't know what I am, I just know it's not this. You knowing all there is is forward, not knowing how you'll change. The stone the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. God, you continually renaming yourself. God, the hen yearning to gather up her chicks. God, the writer of these worlds, the author of this vision. Do not call unclean what I have called clean. Disavowing all the violence they'll do in his dead name. Calling themselves by another. The rainbow floods the earth in nonviolence. in, hey, God is writing this story with us, and it's a lot more colorful than we thought it was. Thank you.